Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Here's the reality and the truth we all must grasp. Sometimes when you use godly wisdom, it will seem like you are losing and the odds beat you under the sun. It is not the case over the sun. It will not be that way in the next life. You will be so glad that you trusted God. You will be so glad that you fought that fight that you swallowed your pride and you went to someone and you said, I need help. You might be out there listening today and don't want to become a Christian because you don't want to change your life. It wouldn't be any fun to stop going to parties or saying bad words. Understand though, that there is an emptiness to that life. God wants you to be filled with peace and joy. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that your life will be easier or even less fun. It means that no matter what you're facing, that God will be with you. He wants to be there for you. Will you let him today? With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part three of his message entitled, Why is it so important to have godly wisdom? Part one. Christians who are not engaged in the things of God, people who are, who are doing nothing for the kingdom, people who are, who are serving with hard hearts, people who are constantly gossiping, people who are drawing others into their own opinions, destroy much good. They destroy much good. Mix that with being unteachable, rebellious, unable to deal with authority, even from God. Man, we'll all miss the plans and the purposes of God. We'll miss them as individuals. We'll miss them as families. We'll miss them as a church. My biggest fear of all is we'll miss it as a generation and we'll leave our children and our grandchildren with a bigger train wreck than we're already going to leave them. You see, the wise man or woman not only has wisdom, the wise man or woman knows wisdom when they see it. And not only do they know it when they see it, but they receive it. They appropriately prioritize the receiving of wisdom and the application of wisdom. And let's be honest. Let's be brutally, brutally honest. If you're a guest here, listen, I am not about here to just to stroke everybody. Right? What the passage is, is what the passage is. What God brings in the message is, I'm doing my best to bring in the message. And we have to be brutally honest with ourselves as the church in America, the church of Jesus Christ, wisdom is severely undervalued. Good counsel is severely undervalued. So few people seek wisdom before they make decisions. So few People seek wisdom and answers before they open their mouths and complain. So few people seek wisdom and counsel before they leave their marriage, before they leave their job, before they leave their church. 
In our world, sadly, many Christians are known more for their foolishness than for their wisdom. Do you ever meet somebody like, oh, I work with one of your kind. Oh, that guy did blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, you're kidding me. Someone told me after the first service that they work with someone who just has the foulest of mouth and has Scripture tattooed on their forearm. Get the blowtorch or clean up your mouth. Really? (laughs) Really? Please, wear long sleeves. (laughs) Right? It's 94, you're wearing long sleeves. I know, I know. That's terrible. But God's wisdom can be found in the Word of God. God's wisdom can be found in the church because God gives you wisdom to give to others and to receive from others. And when I hear stories of people who are not living out in practicality what they are in position as Christians, what I mean by that, children of the king, I don't know about you, but I desperately want to see that change. I hope you do too, because our world needs wisdom from over the sun. Because there's a lot of foolishness going on under the sun. Three quick thoughts, probably not quick, but three. (laughs) Number one, maybe applications you might call them. Number one, godly wisdom will help you beat the odds. It looked like this city was done, didn't it? I mean, they're surrounded, there's traps everywhere. They're like, they're done. You ever feel like this? You ever feel like, like your life is just done? It's just, it's, it's meaningless? Your marriage is done? Your life is done? You're, you're, you're hooked into something that you just can't seem to get out of? Your kids, you're like, you're worried about your kids all the time. Your health, whatever it is, you feel like, you feel like you're just done. But look what it says in verse 15. Now there was found. I love that word, found. Found. It's not self-wisdom. It's not self-wisdom. They were looking over at the, at the enemy, and they had all these ideas, and none of them worked. And it says, now there was found. Something came from somewhere else. It wasn't just something they figured out the best thing to do in their own mind. Something came from, from somewhere else. It wasn't even logic. They found wisdom that came from the outside that gave them the wisdom to fight against the odds. But you and I have to listen very carefully for godly wisdom, don't we? And we have to listen very carefully to godly wisdom because let's be brutally honest again our natural inclination is to dismiss wisdom isn't it we always think we can take care of ourselves we don't see how really needy and how desperate we are this is one of the hardest things about being a pastor is because you know so many people and there's so many problems but so many people want to come in and act like everything's just fine. It's not. It's not. And it's okay. 
Our natural inclination is to do what seems right to us. Our natural inclination is to put ourselves first. Our natural inclination is to follow our faulty human logic. We'll be talking about that next week. And we dig a deep hole, even deeper than it already was. But godly wisdom from the Word of God saves the city. Even when things look grim. Even when the odds are against you. God will be faithful if you put your trust in him. Friends, God wants you to have wisdom, but he wants you to have wisdom not just so you can beat the odds. He wants you to be an exporter of wisdom. He wants you to help others beat the odds. And here's the reality and the truth we all must grasp. Sometimes when you use godly wisdom, it will seem like you are losing and the odds beat you under the sun. It is not the case over the sun. It will not be that way in the next life. You will be so glad that you trusted God. You will be so glad that you fought that fight that you swallowed your pride and you went to someone and you said, I need help. I need help. I can't do this anymore on my own. You will never regret that. You will never regret that. Number two, godly wisdom will help you beat the attitudes. Godly wisdom will help you beat the attitudes. Have any of you noticed that people have attitudes? Have any of you noticed I thought it was only people in New Jersey. I spent a week and a half in North Carolina. They got attitudes. They got attitudes. We said that godly wisdom is undervalued, and if it's undervalued, that means it's also underappreciated. People forgot the poor wise man. We said even in the second half of the verse, they forgot his wisdom. That's how quick it was. But here's the thing, godly wisdom will help you and I appreciate what people do for us. We don't have to be like everybody else. We don't have to be unappreciative of what people do for us. Wisdom will help you appreciate how God uses people to encourage you and how God uses people to help you. And you'll be very surprised at the sources if you're open to the Lord. You'll be very surprised. Sometimes people who don't, you don't even know just tell you something. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? And then you're driving along. Ah, ah, I know where that came from. And most of all, wisdom will help all of us with our attitude of ingratitude towards God. Because aren't we ungrateful when things aren't going our way? Well, you know, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. I'm going to heaven. I'm an heir. I'm an adopted son and daughter. But, you know, hey, but this. <laughs> Reminded of the, of the children of Israel come to the edge of the promised land. God delivers them out of Egypt. They're slaves. They come to the promised land after all. They, you know, they finally get there. They send a bunch of spies in. All but two come back and go, well, it's got this problem and that problem and that problem and that problem. Blah, blah, blah. And God goes, hey, oh, you don't like it? Go take a walk. 38, 39 years, 40 years. God's like, I got time. You know, I'm eternal. You know, if you wanna you wanna go, you don't like you don't like the blessings, that's fine. You know, many in America, if you were to, to read so much of our stuff, people just want to be rich. And they just want to be famous. That's so funny to me because most people are so bad with money and they want to be rich. 
People want to be famous. Why? You want to be in the National Enquirer when you're, when you're checking out at the, at the supermarket? I don't want people checking out the supermarket going, you know, Pastor Jim leaves Pam for Alien. I, mean, I, don't, want to, I don't want that to be there. I don't want that to be there. In our culture, being rich and famous is somehow thought to be better and smarter. I can't even say it. I had one service to practice, and I can't even say this. God did not want you to think that it was better to be rich or be famous so he came poor and nobody knew who he was. He came, he came as a man to a poor city in Nazareth as a carpenter, and when, every, when he finally gave his speech at the end of 30 years of living perfectly, everybody went, isn't this the carpenter's son? Because God did not want you to believe that lie. Jesus was full of wisdom. And the Bible says that he was despised and rejected among men. Yet Jesus Christ, despite being despised, despite being rejected, pressed on to the cross to die on that cross for the very people that despised and rejected him. Godly wisdom also helps your attitude not to resent it when people don't appreciate the help you gave to them. When they forget that the help, the help that you gave to them, and most people will forget. Even those people that you help at the worst point in their lives. Even those people that you gave a chance in work, in ministry, in something, when nobody else would dare give them a chance. And what happens if you're no longer paying attention to them like you were before, no longer offering, able to offer the help that you would before? So many of them, what do they do? They turn their backs and they talk bad about you. But it's okay. If you and I are truly wise if we are led by the Spirit of God, if we are followers of Jesus, we do what we do for God anyway. Not for notoriety, not for appreciation under the sun, not to be seen, not to be recognized. And when that's your attitude, when people appreciate it, you're thankful for it. You don't have to go, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. That sounds so icky, right? Just, just say, well, thanks, man, I really appreciate it. But when your attitude is that you're not doing it for thanks, when you're not doing it for notoriety, when you're just doing it for the Savior who died on the cross in your place for your sins, that will help you when nobody notices what you're doing. Because the wise person knows that godly wisdom that they give to somebody else, that the word of God they give to somebody else didn't come from them anyway. It came from who? It came from God. When I give you God's word, I'm not giving you anything from me. I'm giving you God's word, not my word. And so when you, when you think that way, instead of being resentful when people are not thankful, you thank God for the wisdom that he's given you. Hebrews 6.10 says this, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And I might say, even if they don't care. Even if they don't appreciate it. 
takes us to number three, wisdom will help you beat the enemy. Wisdom will help you beat the enemy. Uh, These people had no chance against the enemy. Again, let's imagine ourselves looking out over the thing. Whoa, look, what's that on the horizon? Looks to be the king, that big famous king. Oh, how's he doing? It's like in, uh, if you've seen the um, Tolkien series, right? The Lord of the Rings, you're like, oh, thousands of orcs, right? <laughs> you're looking out and they go, oh, he's got his big army. Oh, there's traps everywhere. We're dead. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 calls death the last enemy. It's the last enemy. They stood no chance against death. Any of you think you stand a chance against death? Good, no takers on that one. If you raise your hand, you're definitely not paying attention. So what happens, Solomon writing 900, 1,000 years before Jesus, when everybody through history has no chance against death, what does he do? God sends another poor man, a miracle-working carpenter, known in the region as Jesus of Nazareth, a man wise enough to save the world because while they knew him as Jesus of Nazareth, we know him as Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the righteous and holy king, the only one holy enough to survive the judgment of God. And then this righteous king, this powerful king, This miracle-working king, this wise king, does the most foolish thing the world has ever seen. He dies on the cross in your place and in my place for our sins. He says, no one takes my life from me. When he was telling everybody he was going to die on the cross, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I lay it down. You say, Pastor Jim, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to be calling Jesus foolish. Uh, quickly, if you just keep your fingers in Ecclesiastes, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You say, why would you call that foolish? That's, I, don't, I don't know if that's good. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Let's just call it what it is, those who are going to hell. It's what it is. When the Bible talks about perishing, it talks about hell. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, those are the people who are going to heaven, it, the cross, the work of Jesus Christ, is the power of God. The idea is the effective power of God for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That's what God says. Those who think they have a better way, the guy who says, oh, forget what that wise poor guy says, right? Forget his way, do my way. God says, I'm gonna show everybody how foolish that is. Where? Over the sun. Uh, verse 20. Uh, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through, notice this, the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Simply to say that those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, those are the ones that will be saved. Verse 22, for Jews request a sign. What do they say? If I could see a miracle, I believe. What did Jesus do for the three years of his ministry? Going around every other day, doing what? 
miracles, probably every day. Christians, we're different. We're citizens of what? A different kingdom. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block because what the Jews thought, how did you get to heaven? Do you know how they thought? By being good people. Verse 24, but those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because, look at this, the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So the enemy death comes. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes. They're surrounded. Judgment is inevitable because God's plan is that for people to get to heaven is that he would die on a cross, raise from the dead, and anybody who puts their trust in him would go to heaven. Again, verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyed much good. But look at verse 18 again. He says, wisdom, right, is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. If, as some scholars think, really what happened is they didn't follow the guy, the wisdom of God, right, was good, but this loudmouth guy convinced everybody not to do that, it says it destroyed much good. What was that guy's sin? He disagreed with God's plan. You and I don't have to be slave traders. You and I don't have to destroy much good. We just have to say, you know what, God, you're wrong. And it's not your son's perfect life lived in my place. It's not your son's sinner's death lived in my place. It's not your son resurrecting from the dead that he can give the same to me. It's because I say I determine what goes to heaven. That is the wisdom of under the sun. And God said that wisdom will never make it over the sun. At this very moment, in this very place, eternity can change for you. God's wisdom will help you to see God's only way to beat the odds of death is to put your trust in Jesus. Now, if you've already put your trust in Jesus Christ, look back quickly at verse 15. If you're a Christian, that Jesus found you. Are you aware of that? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Now there was found in it, in this city, in the world, if you will, a poor wise man, and by his wisdom, 1 Corinthians told us his wisdom is what? The cross delivered the city. Look at this. Yet no one remembered the same poor man, closed with a simple, honest, not condemning, soul-searching question. How's your memory been lately? This man saved the city. And they forgot him. If you're a Christian, Jesus saved your soul. Have you forgotten him? If you're not grateful for what Jesus has done for you, my fear is your memory is not good. But here's how good Jesus is. Don't sit there feeling bad about yourself. Jesus simply says, come. Come. No, no sense in, in spending your life wallowing in your failures. Confess that you've sinned against God. Tell him that. You know that. And come. Take the invitation to come to the Lord's table. Just a picture of what we're going to experience in heaven. Come. Acknowledge the king. Maybe for you for the first time. Maybe there was a point in your life when you when you walked with God and now you're just kind of going your own way. 
Maybe you learned Bible stories when you were a little kid. I never did. And you went your own way. And you think, God will never take me back. And you know what God says? Come. Just come. Confess your sin. Leave clean. Leave washed of your sins. Put your trust in my son and receive eternal life. And leave grateful for the Savior. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you have heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions that you may have, and let us know how Changed by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to connect with Pastor Jim and the team here at Changed by Love. All of our contact information is available on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us and write us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.